Welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm excited to have you join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs in the photography industry as we dive into real conversation about photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. And now, let's dive into conversation. All right, we are live, as I always say, um, here in the Boca Podcast with my new friend, Francisco Hernandez. I really appreciate you making time to come on the Boca Podcast and share with our listeners today. Oh, I mean, it's an honor to be on the podcast, especially one that's called the Boca Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we had we actually had our first conversation yesterday for the first time, uh, just briefly, and I continued to get more and more excited as we chatted, and I better understood your background um, not just your experience in photography, but then what you're doing helping educate other photographers. So we're going to get into that here in just a little bit. I have to add a little bit of a side note here, um, and this is kind of exciting, but today is actually officially the Boca Podcast one-year anniversary. So we, we actually put out our first oh. podcast episode on August 1st of 2016. Uh, we're recording today on August 1st of 2017, and actually this podcast episode will go live uh, a couple of days from now. But uh, I appreciate you coming on board for this um, exciting first anniversary podcast interview <laughs> as well. So, um, but before we get into it, I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit on a personal level, uh, like I do so many times with our interviewees. And we're going to do that here in just a second, but I'd love to get started with kind of a big value add, a piece of advice maybe that you could share with our listeners, maybe something that you learned the hard way as you began in professional photography, something that you might do differently if you were starting your business over today. Um, I can easily say that one of the first things I struggled with when I started was, and it kind of, it kind of relates to the business side, but also kind of a, a personal side. It's, um, it's just being more confident, uh, just straight up being more confident when I first did my first couple of shoots with um, with people like friends and family members, um, even though I knew them, I guess it kind of gets like that stage fright kind of feeling where you know you're put on the spot to do something, and I guess I just got so nervous, and it kind of translated with how the um, the subject was kind of feeling in the shot. You can literally see how they weren't so confident in the pose or the lighting. And I think just being uh, being able to be more confident would have helped so much more. So I, I could have um, done a couple of different things to to deal with that. But I think what I did with you know dealing with other people, other models, um, uh, just kind of head on uh, into the the portrait stuff. That was kind of a, a crash course, I guess, because I was kind of not as uh, as outgoing as I as I try to be now. I am <laughs> still a little bit shy, but. Being, you know the the phrase "fake it till you make it" kind of kind of exists for a reason. That's funny and that that yeah. popped into my head as you're talking about just being confident because um, I, I can even personally relate to this idea of just kind of going for it or just jumping in. If I have to be confident now, I'm going to just act the part until it feels right, maybe. But how? What did you do? Is there something you mentioned that there were certain things that you did to develop that confidence? Can you share one or two of those with us? 
Oh yeah. Um. Well, first of all, I I I checked YouTube, of course. You know, I've always been a big fan of YouTube. Yeah. And I checked I checked out a couple of different uh, photography outlets like, like F Stoppers and SLR Lounge, and I kind of uh, just absorbed as much video as I can, you know, I could to see exactly what they were doing, how they were directing. And this was still at a time where there weren't so much uh, posing guides. There were some out there, but I mean. Six years ago, I think I'm gonna say six years ago, that um, there wasn't so much content as as there is now. You know, there's so okay. much educational content now that back then I kind of had to like search for it. So I kind of just absorbed and took in. Uh, I want to say monkey see, monkey do kind of thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I saw how they were acting, and I I tried to mimic that as best I could. But again, um, it's so hard to actually put that practice, uh, you know, to to actually do it at a session. So I kind of, uh, you know, did have a rocky start. The very first time I shot a male model, um, I told him, okay, you're the first, you know, you're the first male model that I'm going to be working with. And he, oh my gosh, if you could have saw his face, he was was like, it was like, what, really? Like, I don't want to be here anymore. It was so (laughs) weird. Yeah. But I think you made a really great point earlier, which is that when, when you don't exude some type of confidence, or in this case, you, you, when you actually verbalize the fact that this was your first time photographing this model, Um, it does translate to the subjects. And even if it's just kind of nuanced responses in their expression and the way that they carry themselves, uh, it really can affect the quality of the finished product, the the finished images. So it's absolutely vital to exude some type of confidence. And even if, like you said, you have to kind of fake it till you make it, maybe combine that with as much kind of consuming as much education or educational content um, as possible before you go to that first or second or third shoot. Uh, I think this is really important to keep in mind that, that importance of exuding. And again, I'll say at least a certain amount of confidence. We may not feel hundred percent confident, but sometimes it's not just about how we feel. We just have to do it. And uh, so I think this is really great advice, especially for those who are just getting started in, in photography. And I really appreciate you sharing that now. And I, I will say too, when, when we're talking about photographers who are just getting started, you actually haven't been in photography for very long. When did you first get started? Um, my, my little journey of photography kind of has its ups, ups and downs uh, because I wasn't um, able to focus on what I want, you know, how I, I wasn't able to focus as much as I w- would have wanted. So I like to say that I started when I ended, uh, when I uh, graduated from my local university so I, I like to say at the end of 2014, okay. um, August, but I did um, technically start earlier than that uh, towards the beginning of 2012. But again, I was in college, so I had to focus on my studies. And and because of that, uh, I wish I could have uh, focused more, but I had to, you know, you know, focus on my school to to graduate. So sure, sure. Now, you, you did you go to school there and you live in Texas currently? Whereabouts in Texas? Uh, South Texas. It's like some people confuse that with San Antonio, but I'm four hours south of that in a town called Mission. Okay, Mission, Texas. So once you graduated from college, then you were able to begin to kind of give more time and effort and energy into developing your photographic skills. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's pretty much the how I would how would uh, I would say that because yeah, I, I I wanted to focus so much more on photography. I, I honestly wish I could have just kind of. You know, took in what you know. People take uh, like a year off of school, um, but I, I went from high school straight to, to college, even in the summers. So I kind of just went head on into like 
Um, I'm actually the first one in my family to graduate from from college. Oh, so that's I wanted, awesome. yeah, thank you. I wanted to be the first one. So I, I kind of wanted that achievement first before I, I kind of uh, grown into my passion, um, just because I wanted that. Um, I wanted to be the first. I wanted to show my my family members that I could you know it's not that hard. You just gotta focus. So um, yeah, 2014. Uh, the end of that is when I really started to focus on photography, and I was able to absorb everything and and focus uh, as much as I wanted to. Now, you, currently, you are still working another job on top of photography, so you're juggling quite a bit, and then also doing uh, creating educational content. Again, we'll talk about that here in just a little bit, but what do you do besides photography? I actually have a, uh, it's a flexible accounting job with my, my family's company, but not, not a lot of people seem to know that, but just because I want my profile and my social media to be focused on photography. Absolutely. So if somebody were to ask me, um, you know, what, if, if my main job was photography, I would tell them, you know, right away, no, I have a, another job that's kind of my main source of income, but I do want to make it transparent. Uh, it is, it's, it's a bit of a fine line to kind of want to tell people that, you know, I have another job, but also kind of to let them know that photography is my main, uh, uh, you know, passion there. So I don't really want them to, to, to get too mixed up in what I do personal and what I do, uh, you know, prof- well, I guess what I, what I want to do eventually uh, professionally. Now, I, I love that you say what you want to do eventually because if, if everybody goes to your website, um, and it will, we'll list these URLs again at the end of the podcast episode, but it's fjhphoto.com, uh, and, and then they also go to your YouTube channel, which we're going to talk about here in just a little bit, and they look at both your photographic work as well as the content that you're creating. The last thing that I think most people would assume is that you're working at getting or working at becoming a photographer. It seems like you've kind of already made it. You've obviously put a <laughs> lot of time and energy and effort into developing your photographic skills. Um, but then you mentioned accounting. Have, have you been able to kind of capitalize on your understanding of, of numbers to help build your business? Um, I, I kind of put that on a on back burner, I guess I am, you know, getting more knowledge every day. Um, but, uh, I, I honestly just want to get better. I want, I want to get better at some techniques that I have, um, you know, and I have to do those not at paid sessions. I still do paid work, um, which some people <laughs> assume that I, I don't do because of the educational stuff that I, that I put out. But, um, I, I want to do more practice sessions so I can develop these, uh, skills that, I think are are pretty new to photography, and I kind of want to get better at those before I, I you know I put on more um, paid work because uh, I do honestly want to. I like I'm I feel like I'm close to cracking the code I guess on these techniques, <laughs> so I want to I want to perfect those before I, I I take on more paid work where I can actually provide the clients with these you know unique photos sure sure well i have to say if if you're still working at cracking the code and yet to really throw yourself 100 percent into running uh, or offering your your photography services as a business then i'm not sure i ever had any business being a photographer <laughs> for the decade or so that i was um your, your skills speak for themselves and, and again our listeners thank you um once once they jump to your website and then um, check out your youtube channel uh, we'll, we'll see what I'm talking about. Now, one of the, the main reasons that I wanted to have you on the podcast today was just because of the incredible work that you're doing already as an educator in the photo industry. And um, you've got a popular YouTube channel. I mean, I, I, I jumped on there yesterday and I was, I was looking through these, these videos had you know, 15, 20, 30, 40,000 views. 
and um, you've got a popular Instagram account, over 10,000 followers. And then you mentioned to me on the phone yesterday, too, that Sony has even asked you to be an ambassador for their products. Um, and yeah. so this is, this is really exciting, um, f- certainly for you. And I, you were already adding such incredible value to the photography industry with the content that you're creating. Um, you haven't been in photography very long, as, as we talked about. So how did you make such a quick move into the education side of things? Honestly, and honestly, started with just um, wanting to get better at photography. <laughs> I don't. I know that's kind of weird to say, but um, I would see images online, and I wanted to to get that quality. So I I spent literally hours every day. Uh, you know, and my mom could tell can attest for this. She know every time she would drop by my my apartment or my house. Now she would see me on the computer, and she like you know when are you gonna do something with your life? <laughs> but I think that's kind of the, <laughs> kind of the Thing that most parents do but now she's very she's always been supportive but she kind of wanted me to have a steady a steadier income which I kind of have now with photography and my main job but um it's just uh it's just honestly wanting to, to I guess like I mentioned earlier cracking the code of certain you know photos that I was seeing on the back of magazines in the in the aisles of Walmart or whatever um and then when I discovered um some some certain groups online on Facebook I kind of you know, I'm very uh, thankful for, to these groups that exist on the on Facebook because I was able to find certain groups that were um, the purpose of them was to share uh, lighting uh, setups and some of the people I actually had behind the scenes and there's a few other sites that I could you know you know see the behind the scenes and I'm a visual learner so I, when I saw these photos of the setups it kind of like helped solve the mystery behind that and when I started to solve that mystery I kind of implemented that and then I started posting in these groups and then people started to 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 um kind of want to learn from me and I I was open to share because when I started nobody would help me I learned everything on my own Hmm. and I know a lot of people say that but I honestly I I sent you know messages uh and I don't know if anybody who's listening is uh uh can recall the site it's still up, Deviant Art. Yes. But I, yeah, it, it's kind of like uh, it still exists, but it's kind of like nobody's really on it, I think. But I, I would, I would be on Deviant Art, and I would, I would message photographers there, and nobody would reply. I would assume that they were busy, but uh, so I, I was, I was very open to sharing the knowledge that I had learned on my own because of the exact opposite when people wouldn't share, you know, any information uh, to me, even though I was. Uh, over you know across the world as you know to some photographers I was messaging so I guess that's how I, it became an education route for me that that makes sense so you you got so much benefit from the information that was shared with you in one form or another um, in particular the information that you were able to to find online through the research that that you had done um, and then also having the experience that not many people were willing to help you actually reach out and help you through that process. You wanted to be able to kind of pay it forward, take what you had learned and share with others, uh, which is absolutely amazing. I think that's that's really generous of you. And again, it, it's Thank not you. just the fact that you're sharing the information that you've learned, but um, if our viewers go to your YouTube channel, and I'll just go ahead and mention it now too, it's just youtube.com slash FJH photo, that's Francisco Joel Hernandez photo. 
uh, FJH photo. If they go to your YouTube channel, they'll see the quality of the content that you're producing is quite impressive as well. I was looking at the video yesterday about uh, a portrait session that you had done with the Sigma Art Lens, which, by the way, the, the, speaking of, of bokeh or bokeh, the bokeh on that lens is absolutely stunning. It's an incredible oh, yeah. way that it just blows out the background. But um, the quality of the content that you're producing is really impressive as well. So uh, photographers who are looking to, to better understand lighting, and that seems to be your focus. We'll get into that here in just a second. But that want to better understand off-camera lighting in particular, they can go to your YouTube channel or see examples on your Instagram account and better learn these techniques through the content that you're sharing. And I think that's wonderfully generous of you and uh, and also extremely humble of you that, that you still consider yourself somebody who is who is learning. And I think, I think that humility will translate very significantly to the people who um, are interested in following you. It's, I know I can speak from, from personal experience that I'm much more interested in learning from somebody who doesn't have a chip on their shoulder. And that would be the last thing that, that uh, I would assume about, about you. So I love the humility. I love your approach. I love the fact that you so um, passionately want to give back. And again, the, the quality of the content that you're creating is really impressive. Now, you do tend to focus on off-camera lighting as a topic. When you talk about cracking the code, it seems as though that seems to, that, that, that is your focus, is on, on light, lighting or off-camera lighting. You, you were even talking yesterday during our phone conversation about how to effectively use natural light. Talk a little bit about that. What was it about light specifically that made you want to focus on that, especially when it comes to the educational content? Well, when I was seeing photos, when I was kind of just absorbing everything, every type of photography I was I was seeing out there, um, I just had uh, I, I had an eye. I really uh, you know admired the look of of off camera flash because of the. Um, well, I usually re- refer to the term pop. You know, in my photos, I liked the the contrast that it was you know creating yes. between the subject and the background. Absolutely, and I loved I loved that pop. So I wanted it, and I still to this day, you know, do sometimes take a natural light shot during my sessions, and then take uh, a shot with my my flash like I normally would. And then I just really love the look of the off camera flash photo, you know, straight out of camera compared to the natural light. And I'm not bashing natural light at all. I don't want to, you know, you know, get anybody mad here listening. But I just, um, I honestly prefer off camera flash for a reason, and I um, I think you can get results that you and your client will love kind of, you know, right away uh, with Flash. So that's kind of why I wanted to to learn that and why I admired that. Uh, when I would try ad, um, natural light, I found that personally for, for what I like, you know, my personal taste, um, creating the contrast is something that I would have to do with editing and processing and uh, even the, getting the colors the way I wanted because of uh, things like color cast and just the, the time of the day. You know, I wasn't getting the results that I wanted, so I, I, I knew that I, you know, for the for the work that I wanted to create and I liked, uh, I would need to to get better at off camera flash, and that's why I started to develop an, uh, that skill because I, I I honestly went head first in and, and bought a, a big kit, <laughs> and uh, I had to learn the hard way. You know that it, lighting is a bit of a, a challenge taking on location, but uh, in my opinion, it's it's worth it though. It's so worth it. That's awesome. Well, yeah, there are a couple of things that you mentioned there I want to touch on. First of all, you mentioned creating images with off-camera light that really get your clients excited. And I think one of the things that's important to note here, you know, the, the, the so-called natural light photography, 
uh, or photographers have become so much more popular over the last number of years. I would say maybe even the last eight years or so. Uh, and one of the reasons that that's the case likely is because it's relatively easy to just pick up a digital camera now and take a picture, right? And there's no question that if you're intelligent about the way that you use natural light, you can get absolutely stunning images. But when yeah. we're thinking about as as technology continues to improve and the notion of a professional photographer doesn't have so much, um, I guess there's not as much a separation between the so-called professional photographer now and the consumer or the prosumer because of technology. It's so easy to take a decent picture. So we have to figure out effective ways to set ourselves apart from the consumer or the prosumer as a photographer. Part of those as a business owner is to create a unique experience, right? But then the other piece of it when it comes to the photography specifically is lighting. If the average consumer can't or isn't going to purchase a lighting kit, an off-camera lighting kit, and photograph their images that way, then you have you immediately have an opportunity to create imagery that is truly distinct, to, truly unique from the consumer or prosumer just with their digital camera that they're going to point at somebody and, and, and grab an image. Uh, you have an opportunity to actually set yourself apart. So I think this is something really important for our listeners, whether they're new photographers or photographers who have been in the industry for a while. Again, it's easy to, to call yourself a natural light photographer. And I get that a lot of photographers do that because that's just, they, they prefer that look and that style. Totally understandable. I did a lot of it during my photography career as well. Uh, but here is an opportunity to really set yourself apart, uh, to begin to use lighting in a way that your clients or potential clients aren't and you can actually make your work distinct, truly distinct from theirs. And um, I think that's a really great opportunity for photography business owners. The other thing that you mentioned was purchasing an off-camera lighting kit. And uh, some of our, especially our, our uh, tech nerds or tech geeks, those who like the equipment, uh, I, was, I was one from the very, <laughs> very beginning, um, are going to be curious what your go-to kit is. Can you uh, tell our listeners what that is? Um, the, the lighting that I use now is, is one that I've been using for a year now and I highly, highly recommend. Um, if anybody's familiar with the Godox product products, um, Godox is a manufacturer, uh, they're, they're overseas, but, um, companies like Adorama and other companies in the U S just a few others have, um, licensed the rights, uh, to sell those products in the U S and I honestly buy from Adorama a majority of the time. And the, the light that I use is called the Explore 600. It's an awesome uh, mobile light. It's a very powerful strobe. It's battery operated and it has a lot of power. It has 600 watts of power. And the main thing that I really loved about that light is that it had the ability to use high-speed sync, um, which was something was something that's extremely important to, to the photography that I do. For sure. It gives you a lot of flexibility that way. And then are you using a particular softbox with that? For a while, I was using the, the Posse Buff Octaboxes because I, I previously had used um, uh, Alien B lights. Uh, but I, uh, I, I, what I started to realize was some photographers were thinking that they needed these uh, Octaboxes that I were using. So I kind of wanted to get shift away from that. And I started to use um, the Photodiex Easy Pro Octaboxes. They can be found on Amazon. And I think they're, um, they have like the same modifiers available you know outside of the u.s but just by under different names and they're relatively cheap and they're foldable and easy to use so I, I use those now because because of those uh those points so people can afford to get them and they're not too crazy to use 
and you know, it just makes life easier. For sure. Well, and we'll make sure that we link to these products in the show notes for the podcast episode as well. Um, so you guys can just go to photography or photographersedit.com slash podcast and, um, and you can check out the, uh, the podcast episode and, and the show notes to go along with that. Now, um, I, I have to ask you as well, when we're talking about equipment, not just your lighting equipment, but because you're a Sony ambassador, we ha- have to ask you what Sony equipment, what's your go-to, first of all, camera body, but then you're also your, your go-to lens. I'd say the Sony a7R2 easily. That's my, my, uh, my baby right now. <laughs> I really love the files that come out of there. Some people don't necessarily like larger files, but I love them. I'm, I'm, I know I mentioned earlier about how I don't really like, um, well, when I started, I didn't really like to process photos, but I learned to, to actually love that. I like, I, I, I am, a, I'm a photographer that would probably say that I shoot to edit because I love seeing what I can create with that, um, that raw file. So the A7R2 has um, some nice files to work with. I love that camera. Um, and the lens, I was I was using the Canon 135L before I switched, and I was really um, really loving that that lens. But when I when I switched to Sony, they didn't have a focal length uh, around that you know aperture and uh, fo- focal yeah focal length and aperture. So I had to use something else, and that's when the Sigma Art 85 came out, and um, I was fortunate to, that it just, had just came out because I hadn't owned an 85 before. Uh, that was my first one. So I, I actually love that lens so much now. Um, and, I, and what I learned from using the 85 over the 135 of, um, that I was using before is that the 85, you can uh, have more flexibility and you know adding more, br- more background if you want or if you want to just blur out the background completely you can get a little bit closer so you have that range of of either adding more scene or just blurring that scene scene completely absolutely well again we'll link to these uh these products in the show notes uh, i mentioned photographersedit.com slash pad slash podcast actually if you guys just type in bocapodcast.com it'll send you to the appropriate page and uh, you can see the details about these various products that uh, Francisco is using. Now, speaking of lighting, uh, I'd, I'd really love to get into some technique. Um, those photographers, again, that are just getting started in photography, they, I'm sure they're curious about how to begin to use off-camera lighting. And, and again, th- this is important for the sake of setting your work apart as a professional photographer. And then those photographers who may be or may have been in the industry for a while, but they're curious to learn a new technique or maybe add these techniques to their arsenal. I'd love for you, if you don't mind sharing some steps that photographers can take immediately uh, to begin using off-camera lighting effectively and, and hopefully relatively easily. Uh, would love your take on this. Oh, yeah. Um, well, one thing that I, I tell people to just straight up just to do is to just get the things that you need and and start practicing right away. I mean, I know that's a kind of a, a common a bit a bit of advice, but honestly, practice when it comes to lighting, it just helps so much. Because uh, when I would just read stuff online, and I was thinking that it clicked uh, when I put that stuff into practice, because photography is unique in that um, you know you might have a certain set of instructions, but if you're shooting at a different time of day or um, you know different conditions. Uh, with those instructions, you can get very different results. If I shot with a, a light outdoors in the middle of the day and took a sh- you know took a photo with a certain setup, if I apply that same shot 
that same setup and settings on the camera to something that I did do in the night, it'll be completely different. You know, it it would be probably overblown and it would just be completely different. So I tell people to just practice, get a light. Honestly, because of the the new lights that are coming out, you know, you don't need you know six hundred dollar speed lights nowadays. You know, if you want to go ahead and get those, you know, I have no issue with that. You know, light is light, but um, there's certain products that are now more affordable so that you know people who might be a natural light photographer and just kind of intimidated by a certain price that you know you know the add-on you know and the difficulty of of lighting um it's just a lot different now it's it's more affordable and it's a lot easier to to use now so practice for one practice and practicing uh that's the the biggest piece of advice that i have to offer and, and we can take advantage that with, with the technology now, we can easily take advantage of, and I say the technology now, it's been around for a long time. I actually think back to, to when I first got started in photography, this was 2001, 2002, and was still shooting film back then, and I did for, for a segment of my career. And we just didn't have that kind of freedom and flexibility. The, the technology has been around for a while, but and, and it may even seem obvious practice, but I think it's a great point because it's... It, it doesn't take much to grab that camera, stick a card in, get a light, and go out and take some pictures. And and not only just photograph some some images. And you know, ideally, if you've got a friend or a family member that's willing to pose for you as a model, um, you can work with them and, and get some great test images, or have at least have a great opportunity to test um, these particular techniques. Uh, but then. Once you test in, in a, one environment, as you as you mentioned, the lighting scenarios, whether they're indoor or outdoor, are going to shift uh, through the day as the, sh- as the sun shifts. And then if you're having to photograph at night, especially if you're a wedding photographer and you're working in a reception uh, indoors, um, the lighting situation is going to change. Uh, even if you're going to be photographing candidates and, and you need to throw a light on your camera, or maybe you've got an assistant that can hold a light off camera. These are all various lighting scenarios that could potentially also be affected by different types of ambient light. And uh, so it's important to not only practice, but practice in a variety of lighting scenarios, variety of times of day, in order to begin to get com- not, not just comfortable with, but then also get to a place where you can produce really beautiful images regardless of the scenario. So this is really, really great advice. I would also ask, you, you mentioned that there are some inexpensive uh, solutions, lighting solutions for those who want to get started to, to get some equipment. I know you mentioned the the piece of uh, or the light that you used earlier. That's your favorite. But do you do you have a, a particular light or a couple of lights that you recommend for those who are just getting started and don't want to spend a whole lot of money? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mentioned the 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 lights from Adorama. the The brand is called Flashpoint, but there's a speed light that they offer, which is a I believe sixty five dollars, maybe sixty. Maybe sixty-five to seventy dollars, but that it's a perfect, perfect uh, starter speed light because it offers, you know, you know, it, it has a built-in transceiver, so you can control it uh, wirelessly, which is I, I wish that I had that, you know, ability when I started. For sure. Um, and it also has a high-speed sync in case you want to be able to, to try that out, even though it does cut the power just a little bit. So, um, but it, yeah, it's sixty-five to seventy dollars is so cheap compared to. Uh, you know, $600 speed lights there are out there. And when I started, I got the Canon 430 EX2, um, thinking that, you know, that, you know, it has to be the Canon brand. You know, I was shooting Canon at the time. So, and that was around, I think it was on sale for two, $250, I, be- I believe. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of, you know, was biting my, you know, I didn't want to buy that. I didn't want to spend that much money uh, on, a, you know, photography on a light. 
Um, <laughs> sure. But uh, but uh, yeah, now it's it's easier because there's stuff with two hundred fifty dollars, you can buy a whole kit, uh, a whole lighting kit, maybe even two lighting two set uh, two lighting kit. So yeah, um, the it, I believe the light is called the uh, Flashpoint R2 Zoom Manual. So, but again, I'll, you probably can find it in the the bokehpodcast.com, the show notes maybe. For, for sure. We'll make sure to link to to that product um, so that you can just go there and, and link over to, to Adorama and find that product. So that's awesome. All right. So first first step or first piece of advice is practice. And again, it seems obvious, but I think it's it's a great reminder. We are photographers, professional photographers, or maybe aiming to be professional photographers. And we have no excuse whatsoever when it comes to practicing or not practicing rather um, great piece of advice and make sure to practice in a variety of situations locations lighting scenarios times of day all right take us to to the second piece of advice um the second piece of advice that i had was just to um uh if you already don't have a good sense of understanding when it comes to light to just acknowledge it more you know just literally looking around you and seeing uh because there's light everywhere, of course, you know, to, to be able to see and just take take in how the light is um, is acting and the things around it reacting to it, the shadows, the, how harsh the shadows are, how, how soft they are, the fall off, um, the colors, um, just just really take in how light is, is acting. And, and that will help you uh, understand how to use the, you know, off-camera flash. Um, when it comes to natural light photographers that I've spoken to that I've helped learn off-camera flash, they, they felt so, so intimidated by off-camera flash that they just put it off, put it off until they, until they needed to, until they had a reception outdoors in the night with no, you know, where the dance floor was away from all the lighting, you know, all the little cool lights that were, uh, you know, set up, um, you know, so, and, and honestly, if they just you know took the time to 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 see how light is you know acting, that would help them so much. Um, I think what I've seen from most natural light photographers is they have a they struggle with ha- having uh, with learning how to get a natural balance with with uh, with flash, and it's it's a lot easier than it than it uh, than they make it to be. And I understand the intimidation. I honestly do. I was very intimidated when I started. Um, but it's it's a lot simpler, especially when you when you start to practice. So if they just, um, I guess it's so weird. But I guess if they're just walking or if they're doing anything, just or even if they're just in their homes, just just learn how light is reacting uh, or acting and react and the things around it reacting, because that will help you um, figure out uh, how you want the light to, to act. Um, yeah, for example, if they were in a room. That's brightly, uh, that's pure white, I guess. And there's one light uh, that's very bright in the center of the room. That light might be good for, for I mean, be perfect for for everything. Uh, well, in case you wanted like a, a, a contrasty image, but if and then um, to to contrast that setting, if they had a you know completely outdoors uh, setting uh, with that same light in the center, it'll be very different. The, the way that the light is, uh, helping out with that white room scenario is that the light is going to be spreading onto the walls and bouncing back and kind of creating a nice, beautiful, soft look. Um, those walls are probably acting like, like a little bit like reflectors, soft boxes. Um, 
but in in the in, to, in that other scenario where it's just completely dark outside, it's going to be very harsh, more than likely. Um, but yeah, just just honestly understanding how light is acting helps so much. It helped me so much. And and again, that's a great piece of advice. I can I I think back to when I first began to do this. And it was like a, a, a pun, excuse the pun, but a, a light bulb came on. Um, <laughs> and, and I was, and I got so excited about it. Where I, I think where I first began to really notice light was watching movies. And, you know, it, oh, yeah. the movie, uh, especially the bigger budget films, um, these, these producers and directors and uh, ultimately those who are actually shooting the film have the opportunity to create this almost perfect light all the time, right? And so one oh, yeah. of the things that I began to notice in particular was kind of a, a rim light, a really beautiful rim light, or in some cases, backlight. And um, then I began to notice that I, w- I would watch movies and I'd see it in the movies or I'd see it in a TV show. Uh, and then, I, then I'd go out and, you know, whether it was, I was, I don't know, going down to the park or going to the store or... Uh, and then ideally when I was beginning to photograph clients, I would see, I would begin to notice this light. It would become much more obvious. And now even to this day, I'll still notice really beautiful light when I'm outdoors and and I'll point it out to somebody. Um, but the, the moment that you begin to start seeing light and it it really just takes a, a conscious effort, a proactive effort to start noticing it. How is that light hitting the person's face? How is it hitting their hair? Um, how, as you mentioned, you described that scene in indoors where you're noticing the way that a light in the room is bouncing around the room. When you make that conscious effort to start noticing how light is, and I, I love the way that you summed it up, acting and reacting, uh, both to the location and to the subject or subjects there, uh, it will transform your photography because now you're beginning to look for that light and at that light, even before you begin to photograph a session or before you begin to photograph a wedding, but then you're noticing it as you're photographing. So it's going to translate to a much better quality of finished product, a much better finished image. So this is really great. And, and you alluded to the fact that all you have to do is practice. And, and you know, going back to that first point that you made, practice, practice, practice. You have the technology that enables you to easily practice. And as much as this this idea of starting an off-camera lighting might seem a bit overwhelming. All you have to do is set up that light, and I'm sure you have gobs of tutorials on your YouTube channel our, our viewers can go and watch um, for reference. But then all you have to do is set up that light and start taking pictures. You see the, the result immediately on the back of your camera. You make adjustments to the settings, both the camera or the light, uh, or either or. And, and then you make adjustments as, as you need to. And it's as simple as that. Um, so as, as simplistic maybe as some photographers would think this advice is, I think these reminders are really, really important. We need to practice. We need to learn to see light and, and, and then consciously look for that light all the time. And then yet again, practice. So these are great pieces of advice. First couple of pieces. Let's, let's go ahead and jump to the third uh, piece of advice. If you don't mind. You kind of stole it from me, but (laughs) (laughs) you mentioned, uh, how you would see, uh, things on tv and movies the lighting those that was actually my third tip yeah. uh yeah um when i started to get you know the the gears started to turn in my mind of how about how light is reacting and acting um i was starting to to look at how realistic and it kind of killed kind of the uh the suspension of disbelief in watching movies and tvs <laughs> yeah. um when i would see the certain uh how the lighting was reacting in the mo- in the in the in the show or tv show or movie that i was watching 
I was I would start to think I was like that's not right that's not that shouldn't happen <laughs> and and it kind of uh, I I kind of have to still battle with that kind of uh you know the way that I see light nowadays but in the beginning it did help um but it, it can be a little bit misleading sometimes um I, I think I watched Supernatural earlier today or last night yesterday um and there's a close up scene where he's uh it's all natural light but they use the reflector underneath his um his face for a close up and you can see the reflector in his eye so uh, and then when they did a pullback you know a wider shot um you know it was complete you know the light was not as bright it was uh, as it was on his face right. so that you know two things i saw there was that okay they they wanted a bit of fill so they you know put it some uh, reflector underneath his face for the close up and you know when they pulled back they didn't you know they couldn't even use that fill so they had to remove it so just kind of um, it's it's funny but you kind of you can kind of see like uh, behind the scenes when it comes to lighting uh, in movies and TV uh, if you look and that was that was gonna be my third tip um, and I also mentioned earlier about you know when you look in uh, magazine when I would look at magazines and stuff I would see light you know lighting that I really wanted to replicate. And sometimes, um, I specifically with certain, um, I think it's Walmart, maybe like the makeup aisle, you can actually see uh, in the reflection of the, the eye of the subject, of the model, you can see sometimes the light setup. And that's so that was so cool to me when I first saw that. I think there's a post on my Facebook you can, you know, that's like from two or three years ago, and I, I was like freaking out. I was like, <laughs> look, there's a, there's a setup right there in the eye. So... <laughs> So that was really uh, cool to me because it helped me unintentionally. But it was so cool to see that. You can actually see the, the silhouette of the photographer. And I think it was something like two umbrellas, like camera left and right yeah. to the side of the photographer. And I, I, was, I was freaking out. Um, but that, was, <laughs> that would be my third advice, uh, which is just to kind of to look at uh, photos and e- even in TV and film of, of lighting that you want to replicate. Because like you said, um, some, some uh, movies – they have this uh, very cinematic look uh, with the rim light specifically. And I, and it took me um, a little bit of time to realize that. I was like, okay, why are they using the rim light? Well, they don't want the the subject to kind of blend into the background. So they right. need something to separate them from. So that's why they would use the rim light. Uh, but yeah, just, just again, I guess it kind of ties into the, to the second uh, tip of kind of seeing how light's acting and reacting. And, um, but, but you can... Um, do this in enjoyment. You can watch a movie and kind of see the light. And if you really like the light, kind of figure out, you know, maybe what's going on to get that lighting. It's so true. And, and, and then just be careful not to comment too much to whoever you're, you're watching the movie with. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're probably going to be like, Oh, here he goes again. Or here she goes again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, this, this is really great. The, the importance of practice and then the importance of awareness. These are really the two big takeaways here. And whether you guys are just getting started in using off-camera light or lighting, uh, or you've been you've been doing it for a little while, but you want to kind of take your off-camera lighting game to the next level, these are great pieces of advice, good reminders. And uh, and I'm going to w- want to make sure that we send our listeners to your YouTube channel in particular, also your Instagram account, and of course your your website. So we go ahead and share with our listeners where where all they can find you online. Yeah, if if you guys just kind of get it in your head, uh, my initials, I guess that'll help. It's FJH Photo. Um, so my website's FJHphoto.com. Uh, my YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash FJHphoto. Uh, I believe my Instagram is, is FJHphoto. 
And I think I covered everything there. For sure, for I sure. I mean, I have a Twitter too, but I don't really use that Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, they will. Our listeners are going to find so much incredible information, uh, particularly on that YouTube, cha- YouTube channel. Guys, you have to go check it out. Uh, I was so impressed. And um, uh, not only will you be impressed, but I know that you'll benefit significantly from the information that Francisco is, is sharing with you through that channel. So I have to thank you again for coming on the Boca podcast with us today, Francisco, for making time. Um, I, I really have so much respect for your passion to share with the industry at large. Thank you. And uh, I know that they're going to benefit significantly from it, but uh, thank you so much. And thank, uh, you know, thank you for, for having me on. I, you know, I, share, I like to say sharing is caring. So that's why I kind of have that motto when it comes to anything that I do. And that's a great way to sum things up. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast. Please let us know what you thought by leaving us a review in iTunes. If you'd like to hear a particular photographer or entrepreneur in a future episode, don't hesitate to email me, Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.